All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. I'll think it's into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 96 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today. Well, I'm... Only two of us here so far. Uh, Julie Gill, admin on the board. Joining me is, of course, Alex Bagboy. Welcome back. It's been quite a long time since you've been available to be abused. So, uh, you know, always good to see you. I've grown a beard since then. Yeah. Who, who is that masked man? So, uh, let's get through some of the news. Obviously, boarding. It's uh, 9 o'clock on the West Coast, so boarding should be happening on the East Coast in Florida for all those lucky campers who are going on the kiss cruise so uh smooth sailing to you all hope you have a blast hope well hopefully you don't have a blast hopefully you have a really good time um and that it meets your great expectations i can't wait you know when they dock at some of the stops along the way uh to hopefully get some word about how things are going what is happening it's always exciting. This is like a yearly gift for those of us who aren't attending, as well as all the excitement that, uh, you know, obviously those on it will get. Um, other news. I'm going to hold up a little flyer here. And I don't know if you can see it down there. LA Kiss Expo is happening in January of 2017. And I have I've done the deed. I've signed up and uh, got a dealer table. So I am going to be there. Tim is going to be there. We are going to be signing the book, and obviously the other one, that obviously most of those interviews are conducted by Tim as well, even though he's not on the credit on the outside. If you look inside, you will see that he is a more than equal partner on that, and will probably be, I will probably be selling the On Tour 73-83, one that I've been working on for 20 years. Um, so that's L.A., it, there's so much to talk about with L.A. Um, and the Expo. Obviously, Peter Chris has been announced as the special guest, which is really cool. Um, love always listening to Peter and his stories. And, you know, he's doing a meet and greet of his own. I think it's 3 o'clock to 9 on the Friday, which is the 27th. The actual Expo itself is on the Saturday. Um, and he'll be signing there. And then on the Sunday... And this is nuts. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Some people are bagging on it a little bit on the board. Is uh, He'll be doing a Los Angeles guided tour uh, with the promoter and Peter. So Kiss has quite a few L.A. landmarks. And who knows what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. I, I just think it's really cool. I'm not going to participate in that. I'll just do the meet and greet and the, uh, the actual expo and then head back up to San Fran as I'm uh, driving. So... Um, something to look forward to. It'll be people's only chance ever to get Tim and me in the same place at the same time to get, um, you know, if they actually want to ask for a autograph, which I find very embarrassing, but uh, I will happily scroll my third grade handwriting on the inside of the book for you. And so will Tim. So we look forward to it's seeing people. And Ken, Ken's going to come down. So he'll be at the table as well, as well as... Uh, Participate uh, doing his thing for the expo, so it's it's actually it's a nice signature. I've got a signed copy of a book, so it's a nice signature. But did I, put did, out there. did yeah, I sign one for you? You signed that Gene uh, Ace Paul beautiful book for oh, me, so I, I don't remember. I try not to. I avoid it like the plague. Sometimes <laughs> when people ask me, you know, well, if they ask me, I will happily do so. But if I don't have to, I I try not to, just because I'm 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 not a celebrity, and I'm. Not really comfortable with that. What other news? Um, well, I'll, I'll always throw it out there for you. If anybody is going to the expo and you haven't got these books, I think we've uh, there's been a lot of bu uh, publicizing for it. But if you haven't got it and you're going to the expo and it's, I don't want to get anything else from Spencer's or Hello Kitty, uh, go get the book. A uh, lot of minutia in there, uh, a lot of fun facts. I'm still picking at my uh, solo albums book and the elder books. So if you haven't got it, get it. And uh, you won't be disappointed. And these are bang up to date printings as well. Um, at, through the life of a book, um, minor changes are made in, on the interior. When we get a bad review that says full of typos and all that sort of thing, we do try and fix them because stuff inevitably does 
uh, slip through, especially when you're not a proper publishing house. You don't have professionally employed copy editors who are just too damn expensive in, in this realm of things, you know, and I do apologize for typos, obviously, but uh, a lot of those are. And one thing, I don't know if anyone did notice, but I'll just put it up again. The cover has changed on the Gap book, so... Um, that's a story unto its own that I don't want to go into. Uh, so other news. Yesterday on the message board, and hallelujah for whether it's Facebook, whether it's the, the groups there, whether it's the FAQ board, is the stuff people find. And someone found a whole bunch of pro shop video from Kiss's 1982 Creatures of the Night press conference. And this is just the stuff that I love. I was just listening to the bootleg, uh, which is the audience recording of the press conference the other day for the uh, the Live on Tour book. I wanted some information out of there. And this is just crystal clear. And it's the video, and you get to see Ace. And my goodness, he is a mess. Um, I, I think one of the best things that comes out of this press conference video is him chirping in. Because, yeah, why don't we go on tour and lose millions of dollars, you know, when uh, Gene and Paul are kind of talking about doing things the KISS way. So there's also a ton of MTV um, interview footage from that. I'm kind of piecing that back together right now um, so that I've got a copy for myself. But go on to the FAQ message board. We've shared it on um, the Elder Facebook page. Other people have also shared it. Um, it's really, really worth checking out, especially for those fans, uh, people who are kind of preferent, who prefer the originals, you know, the original makeup air. You checked any of that out yet, Alex? Mm-hmm. I've seen a few of the clips, and it's been... Uh... I mean, you know, we've seen the pictures. We knew that it happened. Um, it's exciting. It's always exciting when something um, rare comes out or something that just hasn't been seen. Um, and especially from that period of time, because in reality, the only thing you had from that creature's era with Ace was, you know, a few live, you know, videos or pictures. There was like really, and, and the, oh, not live videos. It was obviously lip sync. Um, but so to have like an interview like piece from that time is is fascinating, especially hearing. Uh, some of the stuff Ace says uh, with regards to the album that, uh, as many know, Ace wasn't on the album. So Yeah, and, and I love how he's saying on there that, you know, yeah, we're doing now 50-50 of the solos, you know, and, and everyone now knows that he is probably not one single note on Creatures. I know at, at some point there was maybe a little bit of a question about whether that was actually the case or not, but it, it's just so exciting. I mean... Um, I, I would love to see this officially released because it's the stuff that's up that is missing a few segments um, that's only noticeable when you really put it back together in order. There's a little part at the at the beginning where uh, Paul does the introduction of them, I guess, coming on stage, and then there's a brief mention of Neil Bogart so that's just kind of cut out or either silenced um, from the board uh audio on that video but you know just fantastic the band doing the i want my mtv uh refrain which was just so 1980s and i don't ever recall seeing that on mtv and i, I don't remember if we had mtv in 82 anyway so you know it's all a bit, no. of, a, a, bit of a blur for me but uh, you know good stuff i, I think it was exciting because i've i haven't seen any like i want my mtv clips with kiss but i remember hearing them talk about it I think it was in a commentary on Kissology um, that they would film the I Want My MTV things and they want to use them kind of a thing. So it was, it was cool to finally see that. I go like, oh, they did do it, okay. Um, yeah, Tommy, you know, I hear you're Kissology 4. You're working on Kissology 4, Mr. Thayer. So if there's something that'd be cool to see if you could get a full copy, that's that would be really cool to throw in there. Yeah, I'd rather they just do single volumes now dedicated to each era. You know, put out a Creatures one, because obviously they did not use all of the... Maybe they couldn't get it for rights or for whatever. Um, and that's why the fan, kind of the anthologies... I mean, Sagafu put out the Unmasked anthology years ago, which was absolutely fantastic from that period. But to take all those lip-sync performances from Europe, I mean, the Italian one is particularly good. The uh, the one in Spain, they do, uh, you know, Feliz Happy, uh, Navidad, um, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, kind of together. I remember doing something with that uh, a few years ago. You know, and just packaging it all up with the with the Creatures of the Night Pro Shop video. <laughs> <laughs> New Orleans, right? <laughs> yeah, which we, which, we, which we all hope. 
exist, but there is quite a bit of news footage from the tour that would be, uh, you know, maybe you could get 45 minutes, um, possibly, you know, supplement it with interviews. But who knows, you know, um, everyone has their own take on what they like to do. Um, anything else kind of off the cuff that you want to talk about before we do a little bit of topic roulette here? I think, um, you know, just as interesting um, at that Mohegan Sun show, there was, you know, Paul mentioning of doing another album, so... I hope so. You know, people have mixed opinions on Monster and Sonic Boom. I think this band doing a third studio album, um, and I exclude the re-recordings as an album, I don't consider that anything other than commercial. Um, I, I think it'd be interesting to see where they go. I would like to see Paul step away from the production um, tasks and possibly get someone of his choice in someone who makes it clear that you know Paul has a vision, but to let them kind of tell him where to go with the sound. I, I think one of the biggest complaints with the two albums is that the production under Paul's thumb has not necessarily provided the fans with the experience that they're looking for um, in terms of audio. I think there's been a lot of really good songs on those two albums. Without a doubt, there are some on there that I would consider classics and possibly some of my all-time favorite songs, Long Way Down, um, particularly okay. Off Monster Jumps Out at Me, um, and Say Yeah Off uh, Sonic Boom are, are just two very Kiss-like songs, and Long Way Down I just found to be very tremendous you know it's in in that group of songs like nowhere to run which is just uh somewhat epic for me but uh, obviously that's personal taste of you know very subjective i guess um so everyone's gonna have their own take on that so what do you think on that you know should paul release the reins or i think so i remember we um reading a biography on a guy and he made mention of a book company not having a publisher and seeing a publisher or you know I think music is produced like going to the dentist um, you know they'll polish they'll fill um, kind of a thing and I think that's the thing with Paul is like I feel like Paul doing the album it's like doing self you know dinner work on yourself but it's like no go get a dentist let him let somebody come in who, who knows best on how to how to you know polish up the album how to, if there's any you know gaps that need to be filled or anything or, or take anything out if there's like a cavity um and I think that's what that's what Kiss needs. You know, let Paul, you know, let him pick the producer, but we get somebody that is going to make a good album. And um, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm not trying to say Paul is a control freak by any means, but at least allow that producer to be able to do his job. Um, let him be able to say this is what I think it should sound like, and um, and go from there. And hopefully, not have the the situation with Bruce Fairburn with the. Uh, you know, Bruce would leave and he'd go change that mix and stuff. So I hope uh, I hope they do a new album. Uh, like you said, there's a few on Sonic Boom I really love. Um, yes, for me, yes, I know. Um, gosh, I wish they played a concert. Um, it's got a very 70s sound to it, and that one came out great. Um, and then a couple others I would have um, done without. Um, same thing with Monster. I agree. Long Way Down is one of my one of my favorites off the album. Long without it, this world. I do like that one by Tommy, and then there's a few I do without, and I think that's where it's like, all right, Paul, let's get someone to come in and and be able to take control. Yep, and and record a lot of stuff. I mean, I I, I would like you know if it's going to be like that, you know, Eddie Kramer, engineer mm -hmm. rather than producer. Um, obviously, that's a, a little bit of a slight on Eddie because he does a hell of a lot behind the board, but he is more on the engineering side of capturing. I think everyone can, you know, especially when we talk about Kiss producers, that you know Bob Ezrin is a producer, you know, and and much much more maestro. I mean, he will take you and you know just go and take that material and do something else. Eddie knows how to capture the sound of Kiss. He knows how to capture the classic vibe of Kiss. Um, when was the last time he worked with them? What was it? A Live 3, I think, which is less than a stellar, you know, kind of uh, sonic experience. But if you go back to Love Gun, Rock and Roll Over, and you want to get the classic vibe, well, you know, I, that to me would kind of be a no-brainer. Jeff Glixman, you know, would be another good one. Um, I, I don't think I'd go with any of the modern 
or postmodern apocalyptic um, producers, the Bob Rocks, the, uh, you know, any of the guys who worked with Metallica or Megadeth, none of them. I'd say keep it in the wheelhouse of what Kiss has been comfortable with in the past. Obviously, the studio side of Alive 2 was Kiss with Eddie Kramer. The Love Gun album was Kiss with Eddie Kramer and Rock and Roll Over, which to me is the ultimate sounding Kiss album, was Eddie Kramer. So, yeah, I will say they had to get a different guy to do a producer, uh, be a producer who I think could probably do a good job would be Todd Rundgren. Um, he did an album called Arena a couple of years ago and it had a very kind of classic rock sound to it. Yeah, you know, and a lot of these guys who are, who've been around, Rundgren's been around donkey's years, you know, are doing really good stuff. Obviously, Bob Ezrin is doing fantastic work still with Deep Purple. I mean, give those albums a listen, and you'll know that he's still very much in the picture. But it, who is Paul going to most be comfortable working with? Um, who is gene you know and 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 eric and tommy you know as well it's not just about paul and who's going to have the balls to stand up and say guys this is really not working this does not sound right well you know can can paul let go of that and i I hope he would and could and i hope they would record you know at least an album and a half worth of material so that they've got something in the can for say record store day and actually celebrate that properly before you know the end of their their time and then also record an album's worth of demos that have been completed that they you know get it all done you know paul get creative go in there you know, let Gene record some of Gene's weird stuff. Record, you know, Eric's Moby Dick. You know, record Tommy's, well, I can't think of a solo um, instrumental piece. You know, you know, let it all go. You know, and just celebrate yourself, but let someone else be the guiding force and focus on what you need to focus on, which may just be getting Gene to not bring the backbone slip back into any songs. <laughs> Oh, out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> hey, it's Kiss, you know. So, so you know, I, 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 if I hear any of those kind of funny sorts of lyrics, it's Kiss. So it's I agree. Good. And I'm trying to think. Um, you know, mentioning of like doing the albums like that. I, I, I recall I was reading. We had I have a coworker. She's playing Stevie Nicks. And I think Stevie Nicks. Um, she had like an album come out not too recently. And I guess it was like somebody, like a producer, somebody that, that's very close with her that said, hey, you know, you got a lot of demos up on YouTube. I know not the greatest quality. And she like went in and just shelled out, you know, a few songs, you know, and a full album's worth of songs. And uh, did an album. I don't know how it's doing or anything, but, you know, I thought, like you said, like that whole conflict, that's such a great concept. Well, as long as, long as you can accept as a classic rock artist or as anything that you're not really going to sell. Simple as that. Accept it out of the gates that you are not going to be getting millions of sales like you did in your heyday, that you are probably going to be scraping onto a billboard chart. You know, you'll probably, you can probably get into the top 10 with less than 10,000 sales, you know, in a week that the market is not what it was, but that you're not doing it for the market anymore. You're doing it to make a core of very long, um, long-term and very dedicated fans happy, you know, this this is goodwill more than anything, and maybe tax write-offs uh, for the losses that they incur with studio time. You know, you're doing it because you still want to create music. That has to be the number one reason why you pick up a guitar on any day, that you want to be creative, that you want to express something, that there is something that has inspired you in your daily life. And people mock Paul mercilessly about some of the things that he tweets, but those are the things that he sees that resonate with him on a daily basis. A song can come from anywhere. So, you know, be creative. That's that's the thing that... I'm more interested in at this point that I want to see Kiss continue to be creative, whether they're wearing the grease paint, whether they're not, whether they're touring as a band collectively, or whether Gene Simmons is saying, you know, I want to go out and put on my black leather uh, coat or my or my silly thing, and you know, I want to play See You Tonight with an acoustic guitar, you know, and, and look like he did back in Bullfrog Beer, or you know, you see some of those really early shots of him just holding an acoustic. You know, I just want them to be creative, but to also enjoy it. So if if he's not having fun or any of them are not having fun, don't make an album. Simple as that. 
don't do it if they're happy to just continue doing the kind of cookie cutter put on the show well that show is going to be new to someone everywhere even if it mm-hmm. makes the diehards apoplectic yeah exactly I agree I agree I want them to be happy and you know if they're looking for a hit song I was talking with well, two of the guys that work with her in bands here in town and we were just talking about the stuff that's on the radio now if you look at the songwriting credits it's like 10 people on one song and stuff yeah. And yeah, I'd rather have Kiss with you know the few guys and if they have a co-write by somebody then to see that it took 10 people to write one song yeah so. you know I don't have any problem with co-writes um, I wouldn't personally have any problem if they kind of did the Bon Jovi thing and you know went cross genre like uh, Def Leppard also did they went into a little bit of country I mean if you listen to Mistake that demo that serviced a few years ago there has been you know some kind of that's some slide guitar you know, slipping in. I, so, I mean, where do they want to go? What do they want to work with with their guitar? Or does, you know, Paul, who's got a pretty good guitar collection, I believe, especially when you've seen some of the guitar porn he shared of those Les Pauls, you know, does he have a song that he wants to use a particular guitar on? Um, and at this point, I I don't think I would even be offended if he had, uh, you know, maybe Evan doing a little bit of guitar, you know, uh, and the same goes for Nick. And Sophie sings. You know, I I don't care if if they want to bring their families in. If that's what it takes to get them motivated, well, you know, the number of Kiss fans who post stuff about the kids and their side projects, and look what Evan is uh, doing right now with the Kiss Cruise. I believe the dives are are there. I haven't listened to them because I'm one of those people who really likes to separate the parents from the children and not follow the kids. But um, to each their own so again you know uh, there's a whole lot of different ways of looking at it and who knows maybe they've got a completely different plan of their own of how they want to do it they certainly you know we're just armchair quarterbacks here just talking about a you know kind of silly different ways of looking at it so why don't we reach into the bag for a topic roulette and uh daniel we're thinking of you so Oh, there we go. Pick an MVP for each of the studio albums. And these and these topics were ones that have been kicked around on the board. Uh, we've we've seen, you know, people talking about them and uh, have looked for a little bit of inspiration that we can just quickly go through some of these. Uh, boom, let's go. Kiss MVP. I have to go with um, I go with Paul Stanley on that one. I like his vocals. Um, I, I think of Strutter just when it starts off the bat and it just kind of opens up the album and I think it kind of got the ball rolling uh, on that album. So Paul for the first album for me. Yeah, that, that that's a tough one because I'm thinking Deuce and I can't remember where it falls on the album right now off the top of my head, but I think Paul Stanley, um, without a doubt, does majority of the vocals, performances, fantastic. Um, and the songs, you know, but it's so hard to separate any of them on that first album because it's such a piece of magic. So hotter than hell. Um, I'd have to go Ace with his songwriting, Strange Ways, Parasite. Yep. Um, I don't know how much he did with Coming Home, but you know, seeing a Paul Stanley Ace really go right. Um, I think Parasite's a classic off that album, and so I'd have to go with Ace. Yep, I'm I'm with you. Um, Ace, the the songs, Parasite. Simply on the strength of Parasite and my love of that song. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff on there, but, uh, you know, the the coming home stuff, it, you know, Ace and Paul. I mean, we were just talking about a possibility of a new studio on by Kiss. You know, there's. I don't want Ace back in the band. I don't think Ace will be back in the band ever. And I, I wish people would just let it go. Um, you know, Ace is doing fine for himself. But wouldn't it be nice after the Fire and Water video of their little reunion for them to sit down and maybe do a song together um, either for Ace's album or for a new Kiss album like Coming Home what a way to finish it all off guys you know that would be really really cool Dress to Kill I'd have to go with um, I think Paul again with just the songs that he brought to the album Anything for My Baby Come On and Love Me I know I Love All the Can was an earlier piece from the um, Wicked Lester days but I just always think uh, those songs are kind of always on my phone from Just to Kill. So to give Paul that one again. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with you. We know a lot of these songs were fast and not finished, uh, but but Paul's are, I, I think the quality is better on Paul's songs. I, I can't go with Ace because there's just not enough lead guitar that really permeates throughout the album. Um, Gene's stuff is, is decent. Um, so, next, Mark's favorite album, Destroyer. Let's see how it gets for me. Um, I'll give it to Peter. I'll give this one to Peter. Get out of my head. <laughs> I'll give it to Peter with Beth. Um, it helped get them on the get them, you know, more exposure and everything with that. And um, you know, whether Peter wrote part of the song or the whole song, or they just put his name on it, you know what? He sang it, and uh, it's a classic. I mean. Even the fact that Kiss, you know, still, um, I think they performed a little bit on the current tour they just did, so the Freedom to Rock tour. So, yep. you know, if it was a crappy song that nobody liked, I, if I was in a band and the guy wasn't in a band, I wouldn't play it again. But clearly, it was a, it was a hit, so I'll give Peter Destroyer. I would have to make the MVP of this album, Bob Ezrin, but uh, if we're talking about the players, I am going to give it to Peter Chris because of the the bleeding he did for the band to get his performance um, captured. And, uh, you know, I go from it from a drumming perspective rather than a Beth perspective. Yes, Beth also saved the band's backside. You know, it, it was the song that, that really transformed them. But, um, you know, Peter really stepped up and he worked and worked. And we've heard from Bob in interviews and from Peter in interviews and from the other band members. I, I don't think they ever say anything bad or derogatory towards Peter on this album in particular. So everyone recognizes how the untrained musician really had to rise to it. Oh, there you are. Rise your heart. Um, you know, <laughs> to, to, to really give a performance that is their definitive studio album. And that, again, is a, a little bit subjective, but, uh, you know, there you go. Um, rock and roll over. I'd have to go with, um, I'm going to go with Gene on this one, just because I really uh, like Gene's songs off this album, though I will say they like Mr. Speed. Um, and I guess he says, I guess if we go besides just the players, Eddie Kramer um, for his for his production work on the album. Um, it's a great sounding album. I know I, I think it was one of the uh, under, uh, overrated albums that I said on a few ones back, but it, it still is a classic. And um, I, I think on Rock and Roll Over, the MVP is just everyone on this. It, it's, you know, Ace's guitar is unbelievable. His, his solos, they're just, yeah, do a binky solo, you know. <laughs> All right, moving on to Love Gun. You know, I've got to give... Uh... I've got to give Paul Stanley guitar work credit on I Stole Your Love. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it, it's hard not and just, to... And just the songs, I Stole Your Love, Love Gun, um, classics. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Um, had they not put Then She Kissed Me on this, then I would probably go with Paul. Had they not put, you know, Almost Human... On, then I'd probably go for Gene, but with Shock Me, I've got to make Ace. This is Ace at his height. Um, just the guitar, him finally breaking out and putting, you know, a lead vocal on. That to me, I love. I still you love, by the way. Yeah, you know, but it, Shock Me, Shock Me wins it for the Ace Man on this. Um, Alive Two, the studio side. I gotta give Gene. I really like Gene's songs. Rocket in the USA, Larger Than Life. Um, I guess I give credit to Bob Kulik, too, for his guitar work on those <laughs> yeah. songs. So, Bob Kulik. <laughs> yeah, I, Bob, Bob takes it on that. I'm going to actually give it to the Absentee Ace because of Rocket Ride, which, again, for the same reasons that uh, I gave him Love Gun with Shock Me, is that, I'm sorry, but Rocket Ride is greater and larger than life is greater than rocking in the USA is greater than any way you want it or all American man by far in my opinion so let's go to 
want to do the solos or just the kiss ones? <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... What a point! Who's the MVP of each solo album? Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, Who played drums on Peter's album? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dynasty. Um, Ace. Um, I I like. I mean, I know he covered Two Thousand Man," but he really made that song much better than what the Rolling Stones had. It. Sorry to any Rolling Stones fans. And uh, "Save Your Love" and "Hard Times" are just. You know, he was really coming out with his writing skills, at least on that album. And I, I think uh, I'd give him that. And his guitar work, too. That solo on I Was Made For Loving You. You know, classic. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it gets tough now. i got to go with Ace strictly for the same reasons as the last two. Is Save Your Love is one of my all-time favorite Kiss songs. And Gene's stuff's actually good on this. As I think about it more um, as the years go by... You know, charisma is a is a stunning song, but save your love, and and that's no slight on Paul. And you know, I was made, and sure know something, and Magic Touch are fantastic songs, but save your love is just a great rock ballad. You know, actually not a ballad, just a don't really know how to describe it, but it's a really really nice song, man. Unmasked, and I'll go first on this uh, because it's Paul Stanley. Because Ace's stuff now starts to uh, decrease in quality for me, as as much as I do, you know, still appreciate the number of contributions that he's making. Paul's stuff, on the other hand, Shandy, yeah, it's not one of my favorite songs, but it's different. Tomorrow, not one of my favorite songs, but it's different. You know, he's trying to branch out, he's trying to mature, he's trying to grow, and then he'll throw what makes the world go round um, at you and show that you're still rocking, and then he throws in a pretty kind of throwback to i guess r&b with easy as it seems with the backbone on there is uh you know very out of the kiss sort of style so paul stanley on there for me you i'm gonna go with tom harper on bass on shandy (laughs) just kidding um i guess i will throw also credit towards anton fig um for coming in though and, and doing the drums on those albums i'm obviously dynasty and unmasked and i think um you know, just like you mentioned, just those those different style of songs um, that Paul came in with. Um, I, I give Anton credit for being able to to be the go-to guy to play the drums on those different styles, and and so forth. So I'll give it to Anton Fig. Yeah, right not a lot of respect to Anton for what he did. Excuse me, gotta grab my phone. Never leave your phone behind your computer. <laughs> um, sorry. See now you were distracted now. I- Nope, that was Daniel. Sorry, Daniel. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll we'll have to check our times at this time of year next year. Um, what the hell was I saying? But okay, let's go on to the elder. We were talking about Anton Fig. Oh yeah, Anton. Yeah. You know, coming in and doing those two albums, and it's just it's. I, I'm not going to say it's exceptional drum work. It's solid. It's not too far off, kind of Peter, but um, I guess the drummers are all going. Well, he doesn't know anything about drumming. No, and I don't. So, wouldn't pretend to. Elder. Elder. Um, Bob Ezrin um, and Gene. You know, I know some people love it, some people hate it. Um, I'm glad they came up with a great concept. I think it was fun. I wish it got to be flourished more than and not as much stripped down. Um, that meaning, you know, like with the dialogue being cut out, um, stuff like that. I feel like. You know, you kind of get the basic story, but there's so much that was left out. Um, but I, I, I'll give it to Bob Ezra, and I think um, it's one of my favorite albums, and I think he did a great job with it. Yeah, and I, I don't want to give this one to Bob. I want to give this to the Peter Chris of The Elder, and that's the person who had to really rise above and work and suffer and really get out of his comfort zone, and that is Paul Stanley. Um both on the guitar, which if you listen to the fantastic solo in A World Without Heroes, you know, Paul had really come a long way melodically. He always had the ability, but I think being able to channel it with the guidance of Bob really comes through on this album. But vocally, without a doubt, the man suffered to, to create this album. And what he was going through in the creation of this album at a time when they didn't even want to... Cre- you know, do an album, they weren't in a headspace to do an album, is just amazing, and, and no, 
you know, it, it's a minor miracle that they managed to have product to release. So as, as much as I like to give it to Eric for surviving his first Kiss studio recording, Paul Stanley, by and far for me, the MVP. Creatures. Sounds out. It's a tough one. I I really like Paul's songs. I think Eric Eric his drumming. Yep. <laughs> you know, there's there's so many. I think that you know Paul for his songs. Even Jane for like War Machine and Killer um, is excellent. But Eric Carr, his drums on that album are just incredible. Um, gosh, I wish there was like outtakes, more outtakes from that album. Just to heard that sound. I wish they would have said like. We recorded 20 songs and we only put nine, but we've got 11 others in a can. Like, that would have been killer. Just uh, um, the production on that album is incredible. There are, and and it's really tough. You know, I can't decide really between Eric and Gene. Eric is just so bombastic. Those are the ultimate heavy metal drums. Actually, it's the ultimate hard rock drums without really going into the too heavy side of heavy metal. Um, But Gene's songs... And, and yeah, most of his have the input of Vinny, but I can't give it to Vinny on this one because he's just not on enough of it. Um, so the demon's back on this. It, it's, it's the return of Gene, but Gene or Eric, Eric, you know, Eric had been in the band by this point, you know, two years. He'd been in Australia. He'd had to go through the Elder, and they capture him definitively when you think of eric Carr and kiss and the drums you know i'm more likely to think of creatures of the night the studio album rather than say hot in the shade tour you know which was pretty darned impressive as well so eric gotta make the call all right lick it up do you want to include killers oh yeah why not let's go back to killers that would have obviously i'm just going off the discography the wrong one obviously on uh kiss monster killers Paul Stanley. Uh, yeah, his writing. Nowhere to run. Um, I'm a Legend Tonight's one of my favorites off that. And then Down on Your Knees kind of has an ACDC feel, and I'm not crazy for them, but it's just a fun rocker. So um, definitely Paul for those ones. Yeah, Paul Stanley wins, just like I said about Ace on you know Love Gun Alive 2, strictly because of Nowhere to Run, which is just epic monstrous i, I don't know yeah, get me a bucket full of superlatives to throw at that song because it's just absolutely fantastic um and, and something that i just found out last week because someone was kind enough to post it i can't remember if it was facebook or or wherever might have been on the kiss my wax uh, group was the misprint on the back of the uk copy of killers which has down on my knees as the song title never ever notice that and i've had Dozens of copies of that album. So it shows how much attention um, we spend with stuff where nowadays we go through packaging to find every typo. Um, back in the day, we didn't care. Okay, back to Lick It Up. Okay. Um, I'll give it to Vinny. Um, he came in with the songwriting with 8 out of 10 co-writes on the album. Um, I think it's safe to assume we know where he had his hand in. Um um, but he did a great job, uh, and I'll, even, I'll give the credit to the producers too, because um, they kept Vinny tame. But Vinny, you know, and I think a tame Vinny is was excellent for the group um, with their songs and their solos. Yeah, Vinny, without a doubt, he he brings the guitar work, he brings the songs, he sets the tone, and it, it just the, this is the best Vinny Vincent album by far. Animalize. That's a tough one. Oh, gosh, you know. Um, at least for me, I think I my highlight of that album um, is is got to be. And it's, I'm positive it's Eric Carr doing the background vocals on "Why the City Sleeps," and, and I think it's excellent. But then I like Mark's playing, Mark St. John. I guess I'll give it to him for his work on um, "I've Had Enough Into the Fire." Um, Heaven's on Fire being a classic, so I'll give I'll give Mark Mark St. John an MVP for for the songs he did perform on on the album is excellent. Yeah, um, 
knowing now what we know about Mark and what he went through on this album, it's very hard to not give him an MVP badge, gold star for Mark St. John. Um, because he suffered, and he was being dragged in so many different directions by the band, and really, he, he, he wasn't a member of the band in some sense. You know, he, he's just the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, ending up working on a Kiss album. But there's some pretty good guitar work. It's dated. It's it, it sounds like it's mid '80s. It sounds like he's a shredder. He's certainly no Vinnie Vincent. He's no Bruce Kulick. He's no Ace Frehley. Um, he's kind of generic from that point of view. Of I can play a thousand notes. Well, you only needed to really play five of those with feel, and you could have left the other 995 out of it. So I feel bad for him, and obviously he's no longer with us and didn't have a, a successful career after the fact. Um, but that being said, the guitar work works with the material, even if that material doesn't stand the test of time. So, Mark, that's a long way of winded, a very long-winded way of saying Mark St. John. Then you get to the best album of the 80s. <laughs> Asylum. Um, how do you say his last name? Jean Beauvoir? No. No, <laughs> uh, he's great. Um, I'll, I'll give Paul. Um, Tears of Falling, Who Wants to Be Lonely. Um, I think all classic standout tracks. Even King of the Mountain. Though I will say I do love Eric Carl's drumming on the beginning. I mean, that's just killer, too. But um, I'll give... Uh, gosh, well, I like the solo on the song. I'll give it to Bruce Kulick. Bruce Kulick gets that star. He gets the MVP star for his solo work on uh, his guitar solos on Asylum. Yeah, nineteen eighty-five. That was a tough year. Obviously, I love this album, and I really am going to have a tough time. But you have bands like ACDC, Fly on the Wall. They're all a bit. They they sound these these albums very kind of similar, and they're both kind of got the same shortcomings. They're the kind of challenge that they don't rise above what they're trying to be or what you expect from a band of their stature at that time. But every time I think of Asylum, I immediately think of that drum intro to King of the Mountain. And I think this is the last album where we really have Eric Carr free. Eric Carr really captured with the sound that had been established in 1982. But I got to go with Paul because of the songs. Um, as much as I love Eric Carr's work on this, it's the songs and the vocals that make the song, even if that foundation makes them stronger. So I love Paul's stuff on this, even the cheese. Um, you know, even Gene's cheese on this album's good. So And Bruce's guitar is fantastic, but Paul Stanley. So I, does this make me a Paul fanboy, as I seem to be picking a lot of Paul stuff? Say if it's good, it's good. you got to respect what's good. Yep, Crazy Nights. Ron Nevison. <laughs> um, no. Um, I go for this one, Paul. I, uh, his songs are great. Um, I'd love to hear um, have the Crazy Night demos come out at some point. Um, but I think Paul's songs, though, um, I do like Crazy Nights. Um, when Your Walls Come Down um, is one of my favorites off the album. Um and it shows the versatile of Paul. Um, again, I mean, we talked about this with Shandy, but um, you can look at, at the songs like that and then the ballad, like uh, Reason to Live and so forth. So I'll give it to Paul. And, and, and obviously, because he kind of had to steer the ship during this period of time, the Asylum, Crazy Nights kind of period, he kind of was steering the Kiss ship. So I'll give it to Paul. I'll give it to the Runout Groove. I hate this album. I, I, when I go and have a deep root cleaning at the dentist, I always like this album to be playing because it reminds me that there are things more painful than painful dental work. And Crazy Nights is it. Is there an MVP for me? It's Ron Nevison. He did exactly what he was asked to do, for better or worse. He attempted to turn them into something that they were not. Um, he did a he he did a good job with the album. Simple as that. They, uh, you know, he he made the burger to order. So, smashes. No, I, I can't pick. I can't <laughs> pick. Not an MVP. No, no one wants to be the MVP of smashes. Hot in the shade. Um, 
trying to think. Um, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give it. Gosh, it's. I, I like. I, I love Bruce's guitar work on the album. Um, I do like a lot of Paul's songs. I'll give it to Paul. Uh, Silver Spoon, um, Forever, Rise to It, Hide Your Heart, Hide Your Heart. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll give it to Paul, uh, mainly for just for the songs that he brought in. That, um, you know, I think when I look back, if I think of like what songs I want from Hot in the Shade to listen to, it's always a Paul track. I um, think so he had some good ones. Yeah, same here. You know, just off the first two tracks, Rise to It versus Betrayed, you know, that, that to me sums up the whole album is that uh, Paul's songs just do have a little bit of that edge, even if Rise to It is a complete carbon copy of Cinderella. So, Bad Seamstress Blues or whatever it was. Um, always get it wrong whenever we talk about this album. But Paul's stuff is just a, a bit better. But Gene is on the return as well. You know, so it, it's hard to, to say too much about him. He's turning that corner. Revenge. And he's turned that corner. Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. Um, I'm, I'm actually surprised I said that, Lonnie. This one's for you. Um, Gene is what makes this album. As much as I usually say I prefer most of Paul's songs to Gene's, it's Gene being back in character. Gene finally finding himself in the non-makeup era. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give it to Bob, even though he does a lot to make this album sound fantastic. The Demon. It doesn't sound like you disagree. I mean, you, you no, I, I agree. I, no, I, just, I mean, I just tag along with it on... Uh... Just everything with Gene. I mean, you know, the fact he got unholy opening up the album, and um, you know, kind of like you mentioned like with Creatures being, um, you know, when, when you heard the Gene songs, you like the Demons back. I know, you know, obviously, Kiss was not makeup, but if you just sit there and go, the Demons back, you know, it, it was definitely unholy. And I think even if you see like any of the stuff from the Rock the Nation tour where they performed unholy, it was like definitely cool because you're like yeah i could see gene in the makeup doing you know if you said to go what kiss song from the non-makeup can you see kiss do with the makeup uh, it was definitely unholy with gene yeah and 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 again it comes down to the first two songs on the album you look at the image of the band on the back all toughed up in leather you know i, I can't see from here you know un, kind of unshaven uh, gnarly gruff that image singing take it off or that image saying unholy, you know, it fits the gene material better than it fits kind of the Paul strip club stuff, which, you know, and, and all of Paul's stuff, it kind of, with the exception of Heart of Chrome, kind of follows kind of the Paul vein, whereas Gene's just works. All yeah, right. definitely. Take it off always seemed like a poison song for me, you know, that kind of style. And so I agree, Gene. I get Carnival of Souls. No, I'm going to go with MTV Unplugged oh, next because, okay. yeah, I, I wasn't going to do a live album, but this one's just worth seeing if we can uh, quickly pick a MVP. Um, Paul Stanley, MVP of this for me because of I Still Love You and Every Time I Look at You. Those two songs, smack dab in the middle of the album, are just absolutely stunning. And I... I I do monologues on this album every time we talk about it because of Paul's performance, but this to me is the definitive Paul Stanley vocal performance. So I agree that I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of him. I'm gonna let Bruce Kulik. Uh just for his guitar work simply uh, uh put you know I I think his guitar work and on everything was was outstanding. Uh agreed though Paul and on those tracks I still love you. Um I don't know how many times people you know might go like hey play a you know what's the song that shows Paul Stanley singing other people go like you know all the good singers that I'll I'll play uh, that part of I Still Love You where he holds the note out and stuff. And they go, holy crap, you did that? I'm like, uh -huh. <laughs> And stuff, so. Yep, that, that, that just sends shivers down the spine. Carnival of Souls. Bruce Kulig. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites. One of my favorite albums. I, I get Bruce Kulig um, for, his, for his work and... Um, you know, I'll give I'll give Gene and Paul credit for, especially Paul, because I know that was you know probably way outside his comfort zone for that type of music um, to be writing and performing. But definitely Bruce for his his work and his steering the ship on that guy on that album. 
with Toby Ray. Yeah, I'll agree with you because the guitars are the only things that sound good on this album. The vocals don't sound great. The songs don't sound great. The drums, well, the drums, you know, are just kind of muted. They're not presented well in the mix. Uh, Bruce, without, you know, he's just on fire through this period as a guitarist. Um, Psycho Circus. Kevin Valentine. <laughs> Tommy Thayer. <laughs> they had outstanding work. Uh, no, actually, I. You know what? I. I um, I'll give. I'll give Kevin Valentine it. So he uh, came in, did the drums, and then was able to keep Hush on that. That had to be rough to be on the the reunion Kiss album and have to keep Mum on on the whole thing. Um, and he did a good job with the drums. Um, I do think Peter did great on Into the Void, but Kevin Valentine did a great job on the other tracks, though. I'll give him that. Hmm. I decline to name an MVP for this album because it's just such a sad missed opportunity for the band. Um, one that I think they completely misread. And again, we don't know all the stories of the internal dynamics affecting them at a time, but I think if Ace, if Gene, if Paul, and a, uh, Peter, or I can't remember which one I didn't mention, if every one of those members of the band had taken a look at the Kiss Army and the celebration that they'd had, um, in the Alive Worldwide tour and respected their, themselves and their legacy more that maybe they would have been able to come together and, and say, you know, let's do Let's put aside the BS. Let's, you know, get away from the, you are under contract, you are an employee of mine. But obviously reality doesn't work that way, unfortunately. And as a result, you get an album in which you can give Kevin Valentine the MVP on a, on a Kiss album, you know, it, on, on the Kiss reunion album. You know, it, it's just such a crying shame of what this this thing is. And, you know, when we then get into Bruce Fairburn and what he does the album, you know, he's just another Ron Nevison doing his job, but I think he's unfairly, you know, blamed for how this album sounds. It sounds like the conflict that is the band at the time, so I'm not given an MVP even if I think Psycho Circus is a classic and has grown on me over the years. My, my tongue turned black for saying that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would agree. You know, I just got to out. You know, I remember when they were talking about the writing dynamics of Sonic Boom, which like, is the next studio album, um, you know, they, they wanted to keep it in the band with writing. They didn't want any co-writes and stuff. And it's like, man, I wish they would have done that concept with Psycho Circus. Yeah, you know, I wish they'd taken those you know, the songs that Peter brought in, and even if they were dire in their mind, have have tried to work on them like Bob Ezrin had worked on them, and gotten him on board of, let's make this a Kiss song, Peter. Your name's going to be on the writing credit. You know, remember all those songs that they talk about back through the classic era, that they would give input to one another, and their names did not end up on the credits. Why couldn't they have gone back to that way of looking at things, and taken a Peter Chris song that they didn't think was very good, arranged it, helped him with that, and why couldn't Peter Chris have accepted that arrangement? I mean, obviously, like I said earlier, the dynamic obviously didn't allow that, but why couldn't they have gone in with a clear mission plan? This is the Kiss reunion album. This is how we want to approach it. The Ace, this is how I want to approach it. Peter, this is how I want to. And find the center ground before writing a single song, before playing each other a single demo, to have come up with an agreement of how they would do it, not necessarily having every song credited to Kiss with an equal, you know, quarter cut, you know, for all that was worth with the, the sales of the album. You know, it, it just seems so sad that they couldn't have said, you know, let me do some work on this song for you, you know. And here, I agree not to talk about what I've done on this song for you. This rule remain a Peter Chris song. This remains an Ace Frehley song, you know. And I think the other side of the coin is that Ace could have given some input to other songs. But, again, were they that dysfunctional? It's, it's just, yeah. Sonic Boom. Man. I'll give it to Paul. Um, actually, no, I'm going to give it to Gene. I'll give it to Gene, uh, even though he at the backbone slip a couple times. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's only one time on this album. It's, yeah, that is on the next one as well. True. <laughs> um, I'll give it to Gene. Um, 
for a guy who and, and, and I got some reason. I mean, obviously, um, I like a bit more of the Paul stuff. But I love Yes, I Know. It's got such a classic sound to it. Um, I mean, I remember like one time making a mix of like the '70s Kiss albums, and I threw Yes, I Know into it. And it sounded great in the mix. Everybody, you know, if I didn't know it was from 2009, I would have thought, oh, that must have been like an outtake from like Rock and Roll Over or Love Gun. Um, but for a guy who was always going like, we're not doing another album. No, not at all. The market sucks. And I finally, you know, I wonder what was able to convince him enough. I mean, obviously, I'm sure it was money and the deal and everything. But I really would like to know like what changed his philosophy to get him to be agreeable to do another album. I like to think it was me bitching about don't let Psycho Circus be the end stone on your studio recording career. I I like to think that in my head, <laughs> but I but somehow I don't think that's the case. For me, Sonic Boom, I got to give it to Tommy Thayer. I think the guitar work on this album, and everyone's like probably getting sharpening their knives right now, but uh, <laughs> you know the guitar work on the album is fantastic. Yes, it borrows a lot from various eras of the band and that's what i like about it and that you can hear a little bit of oh that sounds elder like or that sounds asylum like or oh you know that sounds like something of hot in the shade or you know oh shit that sounds like black and blue um you know it it's just that he's playing the role there he is still not tommy thayer member of kiss he is tommy thayer playing the role of spaceman as a member of kiss so He's drawing from, oh, Ace would do this, Ace would do that, and throwing it together and coming up with something that I think sounds, you know, it's fascinating to sit back and listen to. Um, so, Tommy, here's one for you on there. And, and I saw a defense with Tommy with that. I know a lot of people, and they're probably getting the, the knives ready to start throwing at me, too. You know, they go, oh, he's, you know, he's copying Ace's style or whatnot. I was listening to an interview a couple, about two months ago, um, of Dwayne Bailey who was in the band Chicago until, like, the mid-'90s. He was, like, in the 80s to the 90s. Um, and it had to do more with, like, with Terry Kath. They were talking about Terry Kath, but they were like, hey, you sound like very, you know, like playing instead of very Terry Kathish. I guess I could make that award. And um, they were like, you know, did, it, did Chicago tell you to follow that direction and to, to sound like Terry Kath? And he was like, well, I was a Terry Kath fan and a Chicago fan before I was even in the band. So my styles kind of went towards that way because I was already, you know, you know, before I was even in the band, was kind of learning to play that way and kind of was going in that direction. And I think the same thing happened with Tommy, you know, being the Kiss fan and stuff, you know, obviously his playing goes a little bit that way. So I just wanted to throw my two cents out there. No, I mean, it's a really interesting perspective to kind of have for Tommy. You know, he can probably play just about any Kiss song and sound like, well, when it's Ace, at least sound like Ace. You know, I, I don't think, I, I've said it before, I don't think he does a good stuff on the Bruce stuff, but uh, a good job on the Bruce stuff, or a particularly great job on the Vinny stuff. But, you know, when it comes to Ace, he's certainly got that nailed, and and it naturally comes into his playing. So, you go back and listen to Black and Blue, he didn't play anything like that. So, Monster. That's really is that's tough. Do I do I gotta go first on this? Um, Paul Stanley, you know he's still guiding the ship for better or worse. Um, there are limitations, there are shortcomings that we perceive on this album. But I think the fact that after doing Sonic Boom, that he was willing to do another one and to come back with what is pretty much a lot of really good material on this album from Paul. I think Freak. I just wish Gaga had been on that. Um, you know, Wall of Sound with Gene, Hell or Hallelujah, I'm really surprised. When I heard that, initially I'm like, what is this? You know, it, it, I, I just thought it was mediocre. But it's grown on me over the years. And again, as I said earlier on in the show, Long Way Down is, is what tips it for me for Paul. As good as Gene is on this, I think he's just becoming a little bit of a caricature the devil is me with the kind of gene simmons family jewels voice is not the demon voice i don't want to hear that voice because it just sounds like a game show announcer um some demonic game game show 
and again, the backbone slip, you know, that's points off, you know, I'm taking away your gold star demon, um, for, just for using that lyric again. Um, take me down below, <laughs> you know, dreadful song, but I love it. It's just all the cheese that you expect from, from Paul Stanley and right here, right now, the, uh, the extra song. I mean, obviously, Tommy Thayer is a participant on a lot of these, but Paul Stanley getting in front of a microphone when he knows he has limitations, that he has a changing toolbox in his voice, and being willing to present himself and to work on that, I think it's just very admirable, and I have a great deal of respect for the man for, for doing that. So, Paul Stanley, you are the monster. I'm going to go with Brian Whelan, piano on free. Oh, just kidding. We're not going over personnel. No, um, <laughs> sorry. People are going to be like, why does this guy keep picking all the random people on the album? Uh, no, I had to agree. Paul Stanley, hello, hallelujah. Um, I was on a two-year mission, so I didn't get to hear the album until a little bit later. Um, I got home in February of 2013. But um, hello, hallelujah, excellent track. Like you, it took a little bit of growing on me, uh, freak. Um, it's just... A, a classic it's got not like a kiss classic I like that the int- uh, the opening and stuff but um just the lyrics though and it, you know I, I think um I think it's been like Matt Porto of the Kiss Room and I think Ken Mills of Podcast are both you know you know giving that song praise too I think it was Matt Porto though you know just like almost kind of like it's a great like uh, rallying kind of cry of a Kiss song you know um Long Way Down is one of my favorites off the album um and I even like right here, right now, which is the, uh, I know it was a bonus track, but the iTunes download, and it was on like, uh, well, they did like a tour edition of the album that had the bonus track. Um, That's right. Uh, and it's one of my favorites. And I think, like you mentioned, same thing with Paul. I mean, you know, we, we know the changes in his voice, um, you know, whether it's from over singing or um, just maturing as he gets older or anything. Um, you know, I, I'm positive. He, he has to know. I mean, you know, he's, he's gone to voice, uh, th- you know, specialist. He has to know his vocals aren't what they used to be. And so, like you said, mention it. And for somebody, you know, if you read his biography, you kind of get a sense that he's very, um, you know, self-conscious about himself. And so to to want to get out there and to do another album and stuff. So I'll give Paul, Paul definitely the MVP. I agree with you on that one. Yeah, and, and and Paul Stanley, I mean, he's got an in-ear monitor when he performs. He's listening to playbacks when he's in the studio recording. He's under no illusions. You know, this is not a man who's delusional. You know, he knows. Do do you think he hasn't heard the the criticisms maybe that people seem to like to so cruelly express online? And I know they're being strong in their opinion because maybe it hurts them on a personal level because they can't get that image of Paul Stanley in 1982, 1983, pardon me, um, or 1977 out of their head and out of what they hear in their mind. But it's the natural progression of anyone who's been in the industry for a long period of time that not everyone has, you know, control over how their body changes and you know we hear you know look at you know aerosmith you know and joe perry collapsing uh with the vampires uh you know steven tyler falling off stage you know people not looking like they once did well so is the case with how they sound and and very few people are going to be lucky enough to be ronnie james dios who are able to keep their full range um, and even he, you know, certainly didn't have, if you listen to him in 1980 versus in, towards the end of his life, there is a there is a difference as powerful as he remains. I mean, Klaus Meine from uh, Scorpions has retained a, a great deal of his range as well, but still has to adjust his singing. You know, time is cruel. And then you get a person who says, screw you time. I will call my own time. I still want to do it. Well, it, it's really hard to not respect that. It's it's fine to note it, but I, I, I think in in some ways the repetition of the derogatory way of noting everything that is, you know, kind of declining on a human basis, it, you know, gets very irksome. So I'm I'm happy to respect Paul. Yeah. No, and yeah, I'd agree. And 
vocals change, I think of uh, Dave Menichetti of Y&T. Check him out. Um, if you listen to the earlier albums, um, and TV now, and he's and he's done a really good job at keeping his voice in 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 great shape, great great shape. But if you listen from the first uh, the Yesterday and Today albums to to the Black Tiger or Main Street and Rocky Just to the later nineties and then Face Melter, there was a change just naturally that comes through getting older and and so forth. So you know, I'm just glad that kids are still going out there. Um, they're still doing shows. You know, what I like, you know, like you know, yeah, we love to have different songs in the set list and stuff, but the thing that someone like Paul still wants to get out there. And I'm sure he sees the negative criticism that comes from people and that he's able to at least take it or cope with it and deal with it to go out there. I think it's awesome. Yeah, you have to admire a person who's willing to to turn off that negativity. And anyone who's read his book knows that he is sensitive to criticism. He, he admits it in his book, and you read between the lines in his and other books. Um, you know, So it, it's hard to you know, not respect him from that perspective. And then look at Kiss Rocks Vegas and the reception that that has had, um, I think has been overwhelmingly positive. I know there has, have been some criticisms about fast edits on the video side of things, but in terms of how the band sounds and how Paul in particular has found a comfort zone, well, yeah, and again, you can't go back. You cannot make it 1977 again, no matter how much you wish so, no matter how much magic is done in the studio. So you take something that's an organic performance that, you know, we're still, is it's the current release, so we're still listening to today. At least I hope you are. Um, there may be some people who've uh, filed it away already, and that's really nice now play love gun um <laughs> you know it, there's hope so i'd like to see what he can do in the studio now with his with his voice as it is and with the tools that are available to him so it, and i think um was the last track they did was a japanese one um samurai son mm. and i think his vocals are great on it so like see what he's got yeah, you know, those are fine. And what was it the the Venus of Mars? That yeah. was several years ago. So you know, get out there, do something. So that that was topic roulette. I've only got three topics left actually. Yeah. So uh, we'll should have, we save two? Should we save two for Daniel since he missed us? Well, I'm, I'm going to save the rest of these for him. Um, so you know, we've run through our MVP of the Kiss Studio albums, and I hope we didn't miss any because you, know, you just never know. It's hard to keep track when a band's got a catalog, even when you've got your freaking website up in front of you. Um, <laughs> missing killers. So let us know what your opinion is on each of these albums if you want. You know, who is your MVP for Kiss in the studio? And it doesn't necessarily have to be you know, a member of the band. It can be the producer. Um, again, everyone's got their own taste, so we'd like to hear it. And some of the other stuff we've talked about, you know, chime in on that. You can find us on Facebook, on the FAQ message board, on Spreaker, on iTunes. And if you listen on iTunes, do give us a rating and a review because we do like to get feedback and uh, try and grow this show. But for today, from Alex and myself, we thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.